You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and today is officially day 38 of us staying inside to try and prevent the spread of coronavirus. And here's your quarantine tip of the day. If you're in lockdown with a romantic partner, now is the time to try some role play, you know? You can pretend to be all of the people you're not allowed to see, like your trainer, your barber, your accountant, and no sex. They just do the actual job. Oh, are you here to do my taxes? Yeah, I'm gonna do the taxes. Okay, cool, I'm gonna do the dishes. Anyway, on tonight's episode, coronavirus has killed spelling, Germany is getting sober, and we check in with the commander in chaos. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. You know, in the age of corona, keeping up with the news can feel a little demoralizing. It's like we've been on a Spirit Airlines flight for a month. Spirit Airlines, the truth is, I kind of miss you guys. So to keep our spirits up, it's nice to take a moment to remind us of the not so scary things going on in the world right now in our ongoing segment, Array of Sunshine. All right, let's kick it off with Ikea, the perfect place to buy furniture that's cheap, but looks cheap. The Swedish company has decided to release an easy version of the recipe for its famous meatballs so that you can make the meatballs at home. Yeah, and since quarantine already has you fighting with your significant other, once you've got the meatballs, you'll have the entire Ikea experience. Now, this is a really cool idea. Although the last time I ate meatballs at Ikea, it gave me some, some indigestion. And I learned the hard way that those display bathrooms are not hooked up to the plumbing. Someone should fix that. But I do appreciate that Ikea released this recipe. And honestly, I couldn't wait to try it for myself. I don't understand why there's extra screws. It's meatballs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I wasn't crying. This next story is for everyone out there who's forced to work from home. Do you feel like your work is taking over your living space? Well, you should thank your lucky stars that you don't live with this guy. Banksy striking again, <laughs> this time in his own bathroom. Yeah, not sure if you'll like this, Kim. Take a look. England's mysterious street artist posting these photos online showing rats running amok during the lockdown in the artist's bathroom. A one rat hanging from a light switch by its tail, looking down at another hanging from a towel holder while squirting toothpaste onto the wall. There's also this one of a rat playing on a roll of toilet paper. There's also one by the toilet, which you probably don't want to look closely at. Yikes. Man, I don't know how Banksy did it, but I want in on this scam because when he draws all over his walls, he's a brilliant artist. But when I do it, I'm losing my security deposit. And this must have been really weird for his roommate when you think about it, because nobody knows who Banksy is. So they walked into the bathroom and they're like, oh my God, this is a Banksy. Wait a minute, Mark, do you think Banksy was in our bathroom? And finally, every day we read tragic stories of how many lives the coronavirus has claimed. But maybe what we should also be doing is celebrating the people who've come back to life. We do want to mention one person who was singled out today by Governor Murphy, 26-year-old Jack Allard, was in a medically induced coma after coming down with a virus after spending time on a ventilator and five full weeks in the hospital. The governor today announcing that Jack has died. It was a long month, but slowly Jack rebounded. And last Thursday, he was clapped out 
by the doctors and nurses who saved his life as he walked out of the hospital. I feel horrible. Jack is very much alive. Jack, we love you. Again, Jack is alive and back home. He has come home, not in the figurative sense, but in the quite literal sense. And my deepest apologies for that. I was just misread everything and I apologize, but he is alive and we are grateful for that. Wow. That was quite the emotional roller coaster. Jack has tragically died, and I'm hearing Jack is very much alive. Good on you, Jack. <laughs> okay, let's turn to Glenn for the weather forecast. Glenn, oh my God, he's dead. Oh no, wait, he's on the other side. Sorry, Glenn, uh, what's the weather looking like? I actually wonder if this is what happened with Jesus. Because I mean, what's more likely? That the son of God died and then came back to life? Or that some Jerusalem news anchor just read the story wrong. No, I, I still believe the Bible story, and I'll tell you why. Because my grandmother might watch this episode. Hi, Gogo. All right, that's your ray of sunshine. Let's get straight into the headlines. First up, researchers are finding out that coronavirus arrived in the United States a lot earlier than we thought. Officials in California have discovered that their first corona deaths actually happened in early February, weeks before the first US case was officially diagnosed. And a new data analysis shows that tens of thousands of hidden infections were just silently spreading through American cities in January and February. So basically every day, we're still learning more and more about this coronavirus. I'm sure eventually we, we're gonna get through its whole origin story. You know, it'll be like with the Joker where we're all gonna be like, oh, He's evil because he has to walk up those stairs every day. It makes sense. But this is big news. If more people have been infected by the coronavirus than we thought, then that means more people have survived the coronavirus than we originally thought, which means the lockdowns don't help because we weren't locked down and the people didn't die, except that they did die and we didn't know that they were dying. And now that they're not dying, that means that the lockdowns are helping. So all we need is herd immunity tracing programs that isolate the antibodies and we should be fine. Now, I don't know what any of that means, but I read a lot of this on Twitter. In other news, the coronavirus has been shutting down events all over the world from sporting events, to concerts, to that big Illuminati meeting that was scheduled for the weekend of the at next to the Denny's on Route 9. And now, Corona has even come for the National Spelling Bee. Yeah, that's right. They announced that the Spelling Bee has officially been C-A-N-S-C, no, not C-E-L-D. The point is, the Spelling Bee is not happening this year. And I'm not gonna lie, I feel so bad for these kids who have been training their whole lives for this, and now it's all for nothing. Because, let's be honest, aside from winning this competition, there's no other use for knowing how to spell difficult words. Oh my God, I think I'm having a heart attack. Can anybody help? No, but I can spell defibrillator. D-E. Now, if these spelling bee kids were planning to drown their sorrows, I've got some more bad news. Germany has canceled Oktoberfest partially because of coronavirus and partially because you can't celebrate Oktoberfest when no one knows what month it is anymore. Do you know? Because I don't know. And this is huge because it's the first time Oktoberfest has been canceled since World War II. And it's actually nice. It's actually nice that the Germans had the decency to cancel it during World War II because I mean, otherwise that would have just been rude. 
Und now we invade France! But for real though, man, this is a big blow for Germany because Oktoberfest, Oktoberfest is not just a big cultural event. It's the one time a year that Germans actually have fun. You know, the rest of the year they bottle it up. Yeah, they'll be on roller coasters like, here comes the loop-de-loop -loop part. Ooh, ooh. All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's get straight to the big story. Ever since coronavirus started, Nothing has been the same. Policing is not the same. Relationships are not the same. Getting drunk at 10 a.m. is not the same. I mean, it's way less exciting if everyone's doing it now. But there's one thing that's remained surprisingly constant. And that's been the chaos within the Trump administration. Because where most administrations would be galvanized by an external threat, this White House seems to think of chaos as an essential service that they need to keep providing. And yesterday, it all spilled out into the open, starting with a bombshell. The scientist in charge of the government's efforts to make a coronavirus vaccine suddenly got fired with no explanation. Now, he says it's because he disagreed with President Trump about pushing hydrochloroquine as a miracle drug, right? But then some people who worked with him said, actually, he was fired because he wasn't good at his job and he was working too slowly. And I'm sorry, people, but this is insane. We're in the middle of a pandemic and Trump's people are squabbling like they're on an Andy Cohen reunion show. And to make things even worse, when President Trump was asked why the guy in charge of finding a vaccine was fired, this is how he responded. I never heard of him. You just mentioned the name, I never heard of him. When did this happen? This happened today. Well, I never uh, heard of him. Uh, if the guy says he was pushed out of a job, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I did have to hear the other side. I don't know who he is. That's right. Trump has never heard of the guy in charge of finding a vaccine. And you know what, to be honest, part of me is not surprised. Sir, would you like to meet the scientist who's in charge of finding the vaccine? A scientist? Ew, gross. I'd rather meet Eric. And here's my only question about Trump. Why does he never hear of the people who are trying to solve problems, but people who are trying to cause problems? Hello, Giuliani. Yeah, some guy has the cure in his lab. I need you to get in there and do your Tasmanian devil thing. I don't understand how Trump has never heard of the person in charge of finding the vaccine to the disease that has shut down the entire world. And don't tell me it's because he's too busy. I mean, this is the same man, the same man who says he's been watching every nightly news show, plus CNN, MSNBC in the morning, Fox News on weekend afternoons, and even reruns of baseball, reruns. And let me tell you something, if you have time to watch reruns of baseball, you have time for anything. Baseball is boring when it's happening. Watching it in reruns is like watching paint dry through a PowerPoint presentation. And for this next one, But you know what, maybe the vaccine guy is actually lucky that Trump doesn't know who the hell he is because the people that Trump does know, they have it even worse. Robert Redfield, director of the CDC and guy who owns a pharmacy in every Western made news when he told the Washington Post that next winter, a second wave of coronavirus could be even more difficult to handle because it could coincide with flu season. And the idea of corona and flu hitting us simultaneously is terrifying because that means we're gonna have to do double social distancing. We gotta wear two masks. We gotta stay 12 feet away from people. We're gonna have to watch celebrities sing Imagine twice. Imagine, imagine, there's, there's, there's no people. Oh, and the president was clearly unhappy with what the CDC director said, because 
right after the article came out, Trump tried to call back seas. The president also trying to walk back the head of the CDC's warning about a second wave of the virus next fall, claiming virus. it was fake news. Totally misquoted. I spoke to him and he said it was ridiculous. He was talking about the flu and corona coming together at the same time. Bringing Redfield to the podium to clarify. I didn't say that this was going to be worse. I said it was going to be more difficult and potentially complicated because we'll have flu and coronavirus circulating at the same time. Ah, okay. So it's not going to get worse. It's just going to be more difficult and complicated. If only there was one word that could summarize that general feeling. You know, I'll be honest. I actually feel sorry for all of these experts who have to share the stage with Trump. Because think about their job. They have to walk a fine line of giving everyone accurate information, but then also making sure that they don't say anything that angers their boss. In a way, working for Trump is like being married to Carol Baskin. One foot wrong, and you don't know what could happen. I mean, we don't know what happened, but we know what happened. And you know, the chaos of this administration would be bad enough if it was just confined to Washington. But what makes this thing worse, I'm sorry, what makes it more difficult to contain is that the chaos is now spreading around the country. Because last week, Trump encouraged governors to reopen their economies. But now, now that Georgia's Trump-loving governor, Brian Kemp, has done exactly what Trump is saying, all of a sudden it's like, oh snap, you on your own, son. I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities. I want him to do what he thinks is right. Uh, but I disagree with him on what he's doing. So do I agree with him? No, but I respect him and I will let him make his decision. Would I do that? No, I'd keep him a little longer. I want to protect people's lives. You have got to be kidding me. Trump didn't just throw Brian Kemp under the bus. He basically looked up the bus schedule in advance told Brian Kemp to meet him at the road at 3.15, and then guess who was driving? And you know, this is what you get when you roll with Donald Trump. These guys are trying so hard to suck up to him, and then when they're fully committed, bam, he can just sell you out. This whole Trump and, and, and Kemp thing, it sort of reminds me of Eminem and Stan. In fact, it's almost exactly the same as Eminem and Stan. Hey, Donald, I just opened up my state. Dare me to drive? I said that shit just clowning, Doug. How f***ed up is you? I saw this one dude on the news said he's opening bowling alleys too. And now that I think about it, oh shit, it was you. After the break, we're gonna be checking in with Roy Wood Jr. So stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Recently, one of the fun things that has been keeping people sane is videos of celebrities making quarantine cocktails. And you know what we thought? Why not ask Roy Wood Jr. for some of his mixology secrets? Stanley Tucci was kind enough to share with us his recipe for Negroni. I don't have those ingredients to make a Negroni, but I'm gonna show you a simple drink you can make with anything you have in your house. It's called a Negroi. Also, I don't know if white people should be saying Negroni. But it is Stanley Tucci, so we will allow it. All right, first thing, I want you to take your Hennessy, throw it in the trash. Nothing good ever came from Hennessy except for a couple of little jarring songs. First thing you want to look at when you're making a Negroni is your glass situation. Now, you got your pints, you got your rocks, or if you really, really had a long day, 
your pails. So we're gonna start now with the vodka. I wanna make sure this vodka's fresh and not spoiled. And... <sighs> That's fresh. Already got ice inside of here. A little bit of vodka, just a splash, a more, two splash. Now you wanna get a different brand of vodka, put a little bit of that off in there as well. Next thing you wanna do with the Negroni, we wanna go with heavy cream or half and half, your choice. I'm gonna go with a little bit of half and half with that. I know some of you are lactose intolerant, so if you want, you can put a little bit of lactate on top of that. If you don't have any lactate, whiskey does the trick just the same. All right, so let's shake. All right, the drink is shook. They say you're supposed to shake this for 30 seconds. I only got five seconds worth of stamina. I'm trying to get drunk. I'm not trying to do a damn Zumba class. Pour that off and there you go. The last and most important part of the Negroni, the garnish. I prefer a little bit of peach mango salsa. Let's do a little more, why not? All right. And here it is, the Negroni. open. Thank you so much, Roy. I hope you never quit your job. When we come back, my guests will be R&B stars Kenneth Babyface Edmonds and Teddy Riley. Stick around for that. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I got the chance to speak to R&B legends Kenneth Babyface Edmonds and Teddy Riley, who recently broke Instagram with a head-to-head live performance of their classic hits. We talked about that and more, so check it out. Teddy Riley, Babyface Edmonds, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm flustered because this is everything that I have ever grown up with, have lived with, continue to live with. Uh, I, I, want, I wanna jump straight into talking about um, what, what happened the other night. First of all, it's thank you. You know, everyone's sitting at home. We're trying to find ways to connect. We're trying to find ways to, you know, create a semblance of normal life. You broke Instagram in a way that it had never been broken before, having a versus battle. Is, is there, is, how, did you, how did you even begin to think of doing this together? Who, who started the conversation and how did it come to be? Well, I seen it on uh, Instagram. You know, uh, Timbaland was talking to Swiss and the conversation kind of began of, with uh, LA and Babyface. Somebody sent the message and they said, they said, how about Teddy Riley battling Babyface or Teddy Riley battling Babyface in LA? And that was the last I seen of it. And then I get a call. So that's so, <laughs> You got So when I heard about it, um, I didn't say, I, I didn't know about it to that extent. And, and the whole idea of battling I wasn't necessarily for it. just a battle, period. Yeah. <laughs> I go battle Teddy to begin with. And um yeah. and and it was, you know, it's LA and babyface, because a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the stuff we did, you know, I did it with LA. So it didn't seem right to like come in here without LA because it was LA and babyface. And although there were some things I may have done, you know, separate, but still. So it, it became more of a thing. It it I guess just commercially just sounded good, like Teddy Riley and Babyface. You know, what's funny is the preparation for it. Yeah. Because you, you don't know, you know, what's he going to play? And like, I, I like that <laughs> list of songs. Like, see, if he plays right and wrong, okay, then I have my answer written down right here. And then he'd switch, <laughs> switch up. I said, oh, no, what am I going to do now? So it was like, and it, it became a thing. It just, it, it, 
the most important thing, you wanted it to feel good. Yeah. Right. What? So it wasn't so much about beating each other. That was part of the fun of it. But it, but it was really about what's going to feel good. And so every time he plays something, truly, I was like a fan. I was like, oh, man, that's that's that one. Same. I, I wish I wrote. And uh, and I think I wrote it. I think he stole it from me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I said the same thing about two occasions. When he brought that out first, I said, oh, God. <laughs> I done started you, out wrong. You have one of the best effortless Michael Jackson impersonations I've ever heard. And as we were going through the Instagram Live, you were telling these amazing stories that connected us to the music and the stories behind the music. You know, you told the story of Michael Jackson and Madonna. Did you ever do your Michael Jackson impression for Michael Jackson? Did he ever see you do that? Yes, yes, I did. He said I sounded nothing like that. You don't sound <laughs> like me, baby face. He refused to call me Kenny. I said, you can call me Kenny. No, I'm gonna call you baby face. You know, you know, you know what I you know what I thought was amazing as well is when 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 this was announced on Instagram, I remember thinking to myself, man, this is gonna be so much fun for a generation. I I, I wonder if you yourselves were shocked to see not just how many people were consuming what you were doing, but the the vast range of people that had been influenced by what you've created throughout your lives like babyface did you did you did you notice like how young some of the people were and and just how the range it spanned across time it's always a great feeling when you see people that like your music if you see them singing and everything but it's still when you know certain people come up to you and they say they know you or they say they know particular songs it's like how would you know how you how could you possibly know <laughs> from every age group and every ethnicity. So this is a time where, you know, you need love and you need to feel good and feeling good music, whether you're grooving or whether you're in the bedroom, that's all about feel good at this particular point. And we we all want that, so. Yeah. It felt like to me, you know, what, what you're saying was was a feeling we were all experiencing when watching this Instagram live with the two of you was, it was a feeling of love. It was, it was a love, not just for the music, but for the stories that have been created with and around the music. It was, it was a love for each other as producers. It was a love for each other as creators. And I'll start with you, Babyface, because a lot of people were intrigued by the songs you chose. Some people thought you would choose some of your more number one hits. Some of people thought you would go with, you know, some of the more, uh, you know, mainstream songs, but you went with songs that were deep cuts. Is, is, is there a reason you chose what you did and what did it feel like to go through that journey with everyone? Well. A lot of the choices were made based off of what Teddy would play. And, <laughs> and, and I, I sat with L.A. and uh, we were going over everything, trying to figure out what's he going to play, how's he going to play it. And and then we had to, you know, be conservative because at the same time, because I know he's coming with the bangers towards the end. That last, the, the last rounds, he's going to come and he's going to start slapping me. And I, I didn't know if I was going to make it through it. So And Teddy, on your side? What was, what was that like, going through your catalog, going through that experience with one of your icons and your friends? Well, the same. That's why, you know, I asked um, Swiss, can we do it this way, where he goes, I go first. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he go first, second 10. It worked, you know, but I think it was a good... That's why I kind of wanted to go off for him, because I wanted people to feel the experience. So... I kept playing the slow songs until I ran out, until my mind ran out. I didn't run out of slow songs. I couldn't choose from this list fast enough. So that's how I went yeah. into deep. And I was like, somebody said, wrong choice. 
Uh, there were a few fun moments with the, with the Instagram Live itself. Obviously, the first one had technical difficulties. The second one, you're doing something that Instagram Live wasn't really designed for. You're trying to get the music right. You're trying to get your sound right. Do you think you're going to be online more or less? I don't know. I'm, I'm just rolling with the wave, you know. That's what I feel like we both are doing because this is yeah. something new to us. Yes. You know, we're technical guys, for sure. Right. But with Instagram, it's like another world because you're talking about 15 to maybe 35, you know, are on there. So that's kind of, we're kind of yeah. past that. And, you know, coming on, people appreciate us being on. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate it, man. Everything that we get or uh, come our way, I'm so appreciative. Ultimately, what came out of this is that, you know, we... Um, it's so cool when you think about it that Teddy and I, we made history. Yeah. And on, on, on a time when people were needing music and needing love, we were able to deliver that. And and look at look at what we did, Teddy. Yeah. It's an amazing way to put it. And um, honestly, the one thing I can say I I, I appreciated and it, and and I was reminded of was just gratitude. I think the one thing that struck me was not just the amount that you've given but the way it feels like you, you have enjoyed everything you've received. So thank you to both of you. I, I honestly hope you appreciate what you did for everybody. It was one of the most amazing um, experiences that I think a group of people have had together on the internet for a really long time. And I hope it's not the last battle because I know there's still a lot of songs in that catalog. So um, Babyface, Teddy Riley, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, have you. a good one. Thank you, thank Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, don't forget that over the past five weeks, 26 million Americans have lost their jobs and filed for unemployment, which means many people around the country are struggling to find a meal right now. And you can help them. You can help them by donating to Feeding America. They're supplying food to millions of Americans every single day. Stay safe out there, wash your hands, and remember, water your children at least once a week. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 